You are listening to Gone But Never Forgotten. Our topics can include, but are not limited to, murder, sexual assault, graphic and gruesome details, and more. These topics are adult in nature and are not meant for everyone. Listener discretion is advised. Cannibalism is certainly one of the crimes that I believe we set above and beyond other crimes when we study and talk about true crime. It is often called the last taboo. A lot of people can take in a lot of information about killers, serial killers, and crimes of all shapes and sizes, but cannibalism, I think, is in a class almost entirely on its own. It is hard to fathom the desire to eat another human being. This week we're going to talk about a case where there was a desire to cannibalize someone, but there was also a desire on the part of the victim to be cannibalized. How does consent weigh in when you are talking about murder and cannibalism? Hello, my name is Lance, and welcome to episode 116 of Gone But Never Forgotten, Committing Cannibalism with Consent, the story of the master butcher, Armin Maivez. Armin Maivez was born on December 1st of 1961 in West Germany, and he was the only child from his mother's second marriage. Voltrud Maivez was his mother, but nothing can really be found on his father. Armin did have two half-brothers as well from his mom's first marriage. In the beginning of Armin's life, it appears that he had the idealistic family life. When he was just three years old, his family purchased a manor home in Wusterfeld, near Rottenburg. The house was impressive, and it was massive, housing 36 rooms. The home was purchased to be a retreat of sorts for the entire family. When Armin was only eight years old, however, everything in his small world changed in an instant. Armin was playing in the yard with his friend one day when they overheard yelling and the sound of the front door of the home slamming shut. Armin's father stormed out of the house and down the walkway to the car which he got into and started to drive away. Armin, not having a full grasp of the situation, I'm sure, was begging for his father not to leave. But he did, and he never came home, leaving behind the three boys and their mother. Armin's two older brothers left the family home as soon as they could, which left Armin behind to be the only person still living with his mother and the person who was seemingly slotted in to the position of man of the house. 
Armin essentially became little more than a slave to his mother, who demanded a lot of him and essentially ensured that he didn't have much of a life beyond her doing and her bidding. Armin was in charge of cooking, cleaning, shopping, and so much more. She even degraded Armin by calling him by a girl's name to demean him even more. As one can imagine, the loss of his father at a young age and the way that his mother treated him are seen and viewed as strong triggers within the life of Armin that likely created the atmosphere necessary for him to develop the fantasies that would later lead to his crimes. At the age of 10, Armin started to develop a fascination with cannibalism through different avenues. First, he found the story Hansel and Gretel, which of course centers around a witch in the forest who has intentions of cooking two young children. After that, it was Robinson Crusoe, a book published all the way back in 1719, that focused on Robinson Crusoe spending 28 years on a remote island where, among other things, he encountered cannibals. Finally, even as a young child, Armin had a very strange fascination with watching butchers cut up and prepare different cuts of meat. Another reason that Armin seemed to be so fascinated with cannibalism was because of the wounds that he had developed when he was a child and his father, and to a lesser extent his brothers, had deserted him and left him alone with his mother. Armin had decided that cannibalism was the one way that he could ensure that someone would stay with him forever. He romanticized the idea of two people becoming one, in a way, as though he believed that by eating another person, he was in fact devouring their essence. In January of 1981, a now 19-year-old Armin would leave home finally, and he would join the West German Army. He was a part of the 52nd Armored Infantry Battalion that was in Rottenburg, being a soldier was a career choice for Armin. He wanted to be a career soldier, and to be honest, he came close. While Armin was in the army, he said that he, his fantasies of cannibalism were subdued, and they became much less of a driving force bubbling under the surface within him. It would seem that because Armin had found a brotherhood and a new family, so to speak, in terms of the rest of the army, his wounds were not pressing him as hard because he had found some semblance of happiness and space away from his mother. Armin has said, however, that the army was also his first real taste of being in control of other people, after living a life of servanthood under his mother's thumb. Armin learned that he actually really enjoyed to be in control, and he liked to make decisions that would and could impact other people and their lives. One thing that most people do remember about Armin in his younger years was the fact that there was never really much of an interest, seemingly, by Armin in girls or in women as he grew up. 
Friends remember that he did date a woman for a time while he was in the army, but he had asked a close friend on different occasions if he thought that Armin was gay. The friend says that he told Armin that that was something that Armin needed to figure out, but the friend also said in an interview that he had always believed that Armin was gay. Unfortunately for Armin, much like his family life, it seems that his army life slowly started to come off the rails. Armin started to be unsatisfied with being in the army, and he started to fall into alcoholism to fill the wounds that he was still carrying through his life. Alcohol, he remembers, was his only solace. The reality was that Armin was starting to spiral. In a short period of time, he crashed his car twice, both times while under the influence of alcohol, and it really seems that some combination of Armin's loss of interest in being in the army and his alcohol abuse cost him the career that he thought he wanted once upon a time. In 1993, now at the age of 32, Armin would leave the army and move back to Wusterfeld to take care of his aging and ailing mother. Armin completely changed his life again, moving back in at home, becoming his mother's caregiver, and he also picked up a new career. He developed a fascination with computers, and he became a computer expert, even scoring himself a job working as a service worker for very large computers that were used by banks and other large companies in their offices. Technology really started on its road to explosion in the 1990s, and as someone who worked with computers, the advent of the internet was something that really intrigued Armin. Armin quickly learned that with the internet, his entire world was opened up. He instantly had the ability to speak with different kinds of people from all over the world using websites and forums. The internet became a place for people like Armin to spiral, unfortunately. The ability to anonymously speak with people online was, and of course still is, certainly groundbreaking. However, Armin quickly started to learn that perhaps his love for cannibalism was not as rare as he had first believed. Armin started to feel not alone again. Armin really was quite good with technology, and he used those gifts for recognition. He used art, and using a camera, he staged scenes and created photos that appeared to be human meat that was being and had been prepared for human consumption. Armin started to gain traction with his images, and he even developed a bit of a cult following for his quote-unquote art that he was posting online. On September 2nd of 1999, another life change would take place in Armin's life. He came home from work on that day, and when he went to see his mom, he found that she was lying dead in her bed, having suffered a heart attack. This was a major change, but in a freeing way for Armin. He realized that now he no longer was beholden to looking after his mother, and now he could focus on living his life his way, and of course by his rules. Within just two months of his mother's passing, Armin had redecorated and removed a lot of the things from the home. 
People said that quickly there was literally no sign left that she had even ever lived inside of that house. In the year 2000, Armin made the decision to step out and try to make contact with other people online that were interested in cannibalism. Armin was looking for something rather specific. He hoped that he would find a willing victim to fulfill his cannibalistic fantasies upon. He was seeking a volunteer to be killed and to be eaten. Armin started to make posts on websites and forums actively seeking for someone who was looking to have their own, different from his, desires fulfilled. Armin posted that he was looking for a handsome young man between the ages of 18 and 25. He was looking for someone who was pleasant and someone who was physically attractive, though he did say that he was not looking for someone who was overly muscular. At first, Armin said that he did not receive any responses, and then he decided to change his age range to 18 to 30 years of age. When he made that change, Armin finally had someone reach out. A man reached out to Armin, and the two met and had actual contact with one another. It almost seemed like a dating relationship on some levels. However, as the time drew closer to fulfill the fantasies that Armin had, this man got cold feet and backed out, deciding that he did not want to be killed and eaten by Armin. Interestingly, even though the two men had developed a great rapport with one another, the moment that the man said that he didn't want to follow through on the cannibalism act, Armin lost all interest in the man. He didn't fight the situation at all. He simply moved on. For Armin, part of the fantasy, or perhaps part of the plan, was to find someone that wanted to be eaten by Armin. He did not want to kill and dismember and cannibalize someone who was unwillingly being a participant. So when the man was no longer a willing participant, Armin was no longer interested. He returned to the forums, and he immediately got back to work on trying to find a willing volunteer. Armin has said that when he posted, he received hundreds of replies over time, and he had conversations with many different people about his fantasies. What would be interesting when Armin went to trial was the fact that other men did testify on Armin's behalf that they were never pushed at all to bend to Armin's wills and desires. More than one man would say when they were on the stand that they had changed their mind at the last minute and Armin had not grown angry, he had just moved on and accepted it. And then, after a lot of effort, Armin would meet Bern Jürgen. Brandes, who was a 43-year-old bisexual man who was from Berlin and worked as an engineer. On Valentine's Day in 2001, he contacted Armin and he volunteered to be the victim in Armin's fantasy. The first message that Burned sent to Armin was simply titled, Dinner, and it said, quote, I offer to let myself be eaten alive, unquote. The two men discussed everything to do with the scenario. They discussed how the body should be cut up, how the meat should be eaten after the fact, and all of the details that were pertinent to either man. 
Burned even offered that his skull could be used and fashioned as an ashtray. So, while we know by now what the fantasies were for our men, we need to look at what was the driving force for Burned. Burned was someone that was interested in extreme masochism. Masochism is the tendency to get pleasure, especially sexual pleasure, from one's own pain or humiliation. One of Burns' long-standing fantasies was to have his own penis amputated while he was conscious and alive to witness it. For Burned, that was his ultimate fantasy. He didn't care what happened to him or his body after his penis was amputated. And as such, he was willing to also be the object of our men's ultimate fantasy. The two made plans to meet ultimately on March 9th of 2001, and the two planned for our men to pick up Burned from the train station. Before that, Burned made sure to hide any and all details of what he was doing from his partner. He told his partner that he was leaving town on a work trip, and Burned even deleted all conversations that had taken place between himself and Armin so that nobody would be able to track down Armin when Burned ultimately did not return home. Armin picked Burned up as planned, and then the two drove back to Armin's home. When they arrived there, Armin went to make coffee for the two men. When he returned to the sitting room where he had left Burned, he found Burned had completely stripped down and was completely naked. Armin says that Burned told him that he wanted Armin to admire his dinner. As the night went on and Burned was drinking, he told Armin that he wanted to be unconscious when he was slaughtered. Burned also drank a half a bottle of cold medicine and told Armin that once he was dozy, Armin could castrate him. However, about a half an hour or so after that, Burned changed his mind completely and decided that he didn't want to go through with anything. Again, Armin accepted that Burned had changed his mind and he agreed to drive him back to get a train home. That drive, however, evidently gave Burn time to think, and he realized that he was much more afraid of going home. He was afraid of having to tell his partner what he had done and what he had planned to do. Burn then changed his mind again and said that he wanted to go through with the original plan. At this point as well, the two decided that they would videotape the entire evening. Burned also said that he didn't want to just be sleepy. He wanted to be unconscious when the slaughter started. On the way back to Armin's house, the men stopped and purchased more cold medicine and sleeping pills. Burned also told Armin that his desire was for the two of them to eat his castrated penis together as his last meal. And so the two returned to Armin's home, and the night did go on as planned. Armin waited for Burn to be in the state that he wished to be in, and then he castrated Burn's penis. Armin says that the two men tried to eat it together after being cooked, but that it was unedible. According to Armin, who of course is the only living witness in this case, Burn then realized that he was slowly going to bleed out and that he was cold. 
He asked our men to put him into a bathtub with warm water so that the blood would leave his body faster and so that he would also be warm. Our men said that he did this, and then he went into the next room where he read a Star Trek novel and waited for Burned to die. After about two hours, our men heard Byrne scream out to him, and when he came into the bathroom, he found that Byrne had ridden out of, risen out of the bathtub, and he had then collapsed onto the floor unconscious, but not dead. Armin then took Byrne and put him into a bed. Byrne then told him that he was not to call an ambulance under any circumstances. Around 5 a.m. on March 10th of 2001, our men deemed that Bern Jürgen Brandes had passed away after having been at our men's home for approximately 17 hours. Our men then decapitated Bern, hung him on a meat hook, and set to work chopping off meat and preparing parts of Bern's body in the same way that he had watched butchers do with animals when he was just a young child. Our men continued to videotape everything that he did after Byrne passed away, and the video showed that he took painstaking care of everything and then placed the meat in his freezer. Over the next year, our men would consume approximately 45 pounds of Byrne Brandes. What I did find interesting about this case was the fact that even though there was a lot of electronic conversation between our men and Byrne, and for that matter, also our men and an unknown number of other men, there was seemingly no trace of that left at all for Byrne's partner to come across when he realized that Byrne was not coming home. You would think that all of that online conversation would have one day caused the demise of our men. However, what ultimately caused his demise was his need to find another volunteer, not satisfied with having fulfilled his fantasy just one time. By June of 2001, Armin was back online and was back seeking for someone else who wanted to partake in his vicious fantasy. On top of that, Armin was not hiding what he had done. He had posted photos and he had posted stories about what had happened between he and Burned. Instead of the art that he had posted before, Armin was now posting authentic photos that proved that he had partaken in cannibalism. Armin even became a hero of sorts to many in their small community. People realized that um, Armin had succeeded where they had failed and our men realized that he rather liked being admired. On July 8th of 2002, a 23-year-old man named Reinhold, who was a medical student, came across our men's post, and he set out to find more. Our men thought that he was speaking with a potential volunteer, but the reality was that Reinhold was trying to verify if our men's claims were real, and if they were, he intended to contact authorities which was exactly what he wound up doing. Once our men told him enough information, Reinhold contacted the police and started the wheels in motion to get our men off the streets. Those wheels, though, did not move very quickly, and without any real evidence, you can understand why. 
However, on November 28th of 2002, the District Court of Rottenburg issued a warrant for the home of Armin because of suspicion of presentation of violence. The police attended the home, and they searched his home and the stables and took all of the evidence that they could find, including some of the meat to be tested. Just days later, our man was brought in for questioning, but without evidence and without the results of the meat, the police could not hold him, and so they let him go. Armin, though, seemingly knew that the jig was up. Armin went to a lawyer and freely admitted to the lawyer all of the things that he had done. He then asked the lawyer what the quickest and best way was to make everything go away as quickly as possible. Armin and the lawyer then actually went to the courthouse where they told a judge all of the same things. The judge's advice to Armin was to simply go home and wait for the police to arrive and then go from there. Armin never once denied any of the things that he had done. He said that he knew what he had done was not morally right, but he said that he had followed through on everything because Burned had demanded that they follow through, and he wanted Armin to do all of the things that Armin had done. On December 10th of 2002, that day came. Armin was arrested and taken in custody, and during his interview, he told police everything that he had done and all of the details of what had happened on that night almost two years earlier. Armin even took police to his home and gave them all of the evidence that they needed to convict him, including the videotape of everything that had happened that night that corroborated Armin's entire story. At that point, the family of Burned was notified of his death. Armin went to trial a little less than a year later on December 3rd of 2003. Armin would plead guilty to the assisted suicide of Burned almost four years after his death. The German courts, of course, wanted to get Armin for murder, but the reality was that they did not see a motive in the case, so they knew that that was going to be a difficult task. You see, in German law, the difference between manslaughter and murder is this. It is murder when someone kills another human being for pleasure, for sexual gratification, out of greed or otherwise base motives, by stealth or cruelty, or by means that pose danger to the public, in order to facilitate or to cover up another offense. So those are all of the reasons that a charge can be laid as murder in Germany. Manslaughter, on the other hand, is any kind of killing that doesn't fit into any of those specialties. Also of note, in Germany, much like most of the world, cannibalism itself is not considered to be illegal. In the end, Armin said that he killed a man because of his own request. And that meant that the death did not technically fall under the specific specialties for murder. On January 30th of 2004, Armin was officially found guilty of manslaughter, and he received eight and a half years in prison as his sentence. What was interesting about that sentence, though, was that nobody was happy with it. Armin felt that he should not be given prison time at all as he believed that he had done nothing wrong. 
Germany, however, of course, believed that this man was a murderer, and as such, he should be put in jail for a lot longer. Both Armin and the prosecution appealed that original case, and on April 22nd of 2005, the Court of Appeals actually overturned the entire judgment from the first case. Almost eight months later, on January 12th of 2006, Armin's retrial would commence, and the prosecution would this time focus in on two different facts. The first was the fact that they believed that Armin had killed Burned because of his own sexual needs, and not because of the needs of Burned. The ad that he had placed showed that Armin was seeking someone specific, which largely points to his own interest, sexually or at least physically. He was looking for someone specific, meaning that the person he was seeking was to suit his own needs. Armin had also admitted that he had masturbated multiple times to the video of the night that he killed and slaughtered Burned clearly showing that something about that night aroused him. The second thing that the prosecution focused on was very interesting. A pathologist would realize when watching the tape through that Burned was still breathing when Armin started his ritual by cutting his throat. That showed, obviously, that Burned was not yet dead when Armin started slaughtering him, and as such that proved that Armin had indeed delivered the death blow to Burned. Burned did not die from the amputation of his penis and the subsequent blood loss. No, he had died from blood loss after Armin had cut his throat. Through the retrial, Armin was stoic. He was not a man who looked, acted, or spoke like a man who believed that he was guilty of anything. He did not have remorse, he did not have guilt, and it seems pretty clear to me that he thought he had his bases covered to ensure very little or no jail time. On May 9th of 2006, however, Armin would be proven wrong. The prosecution was able to present their case in a compelling manner, and Armin was convicted of murder. His initial sentence of eight and a half years was changed to a life sentence, which in Germany means a minimum of 15 years in prison. However, for those of you that are keeping score at home, yes, that does mean that Armin has already served the minimum amount of time required by law, and he may in fact be released one day. As of 2020, Armin had been allowed to leave prison on supervised visits to that end and to a state that he didn't live in. In prison, he works in the laundry room and he also reportedly attends church regularly. He also had a very interesting metamorphosis since he committed his crimes and went to prison. Armin has reportedly become a vegetarian. In 2023, his home actually burned down in what was believed to be an arson attack. Two young juveniles were named as suspects in the case, but to date there have been no arrests or charges laid in that particular case. This case really brought up, and I still think brings up, an incredible conversation. When do you cross a line where consent doesn't matter anymore? I mean... 
It does seem clear to me that killing someone for any reason, unless you have the law on your side, is still killing someone. But when you have that paper trail that shows that someone agreed to everything that happened, how much does that obstruct the law? Do you think that everything was well planned out by Armin because he believed that he had found a way to beat the system? Or do you think that he pivoted into that story to try and save his hide? Hop on over to our socials and let me know what you thought of this case. Do you think that this was murder, or do you think it was manslaughter? Don't forget also to give us a five-star review and a follow wherever you're listening. And of course, support the podcast if you like what you hear here by joining us over on Patreon or by doing a one-time donation. Most of all, thank you to each and every one of you goners who are out there for always tuning in and for always being in my corner. I hope you are happy, healthy, and of course, always being better. I'll see you next week.